The goal of Data Transformers podcast is to accelerate digital transformation by bridging the gap between business outcomes and rapidly advancing technologies. And we aim to bridge this gap by focusing on data. I am Peggy Sai, top 50 women in tech influencer, co-author of the AI book and data governance expert. I'm Ramesh Danta, an entrepreneur, a tech blogger, and AI enthusiast. We're very pleased to have with us today um, Chris Cheatham, CEO of Risk Genius. And I've known Chris actually for the past four years now, back when I was at AIG, um, looking at new insurance technologies. And Chris and your company certainly popped out on the scene for me. Um, so Chris, welcome today to our podcast. Thank you very much. Uh, good to talk to Peggy. Peggy, I can't believe uh, it's been like years and it's crazy that we're in podcasts now and in a pandemic. And you know, we both have, well, you have a new job and I am very shortly going to have a new job. So weird and fun and strange times. That's really exciting. And I know that your company and you yourself have tr definitely transformed a lot in the last couple of years and certainly before um, 2016 when um, I learned about Risk Genius, um, you've done a lot in the insurance space, but I thought maybe we could let everyone know a little bit about your history. Um, yep. You're actually a lawyer. Yep. Um, so talk to me about how you became a lawyer and switched over to um, running an insure tech company. Yeah. Um, so I became an insurance attorney back in 2000 and what was it? 2006. Uh, and basically uh, I wanted to go work in Washington DC at a big law firm, got a job doing surety claim law. Uh, I wouldn't even bother going into that, but just basically doing insurance disputes, large insurance disputes on, con on construction projects. And so I uh, did that for about five years. And initially what I became really interested in on the technology side was how documents were being managed um, on large claims. Uh, because I mean, I'll never forget the first uh, litigation I ever worked on. Somebody just put me in a, a room full of like 200 boxes and they're like, go through these. And so I went through them and I got to the end of the pro at the end of the review and I was, and I looked at the side of a box and I was like, Oh, this is not even the project I was supposed to be reviewing. What a waste of time. And, you know, I kept having projects like that where, you know, just spent, I've spent three years, for example, going through emails that somebody had produced from a construction project, probably saw every email nine different times, um, in both in print and email for like a data form. And so it just, it was crazy. The software we used to review these documents was horrible. And I thought I could do better. And so initially started a company to do claim, doc, claim document management. Um, and that really then morphed into even being more focused on insurance policy analysis. And so we started using artificial intelligence and other machine learning tools to analyze that data. And here we are. So uh, Chris, was it the claims kit, that initial product that yeah. you guys developed? Yeah, it was claim kit, which honestly claim kit was really just a bunch of people going to a construction site and scanning in documents to start and keeping them very, very organized. Um, and then from there, we decided we didn't like the software that we were using to manage all those documents. And so we built our own software. That was 
insane. Uh, in hindsight, that was just an insane undertaking. And then from there, kind of spun into the insurance policy review. Yeah, so Claim Kit started that in 2012. Talk about manual processes if you're looking at documents. Um, and that's where I actually see a lot of um, transformation happening just because of the manual process that started. And, um, and then you decided somewhere along the way where natural language processing could help right with uh yeah. reading through the policies and understanding the risk involved in a lot of the portfolios for insurance carriers um what was that pivot like though from claim kit yeah. to risk genius and i think that's a very interesting story yeah it was well i'll give you the kind of the origin story of the pivot and then i'll tell you what i learned about pivots and so the origin story was i was going to pitch some investors um, Mid-America Angels actually here in Kansas City where I live and I was out in a waiting room and there just happened to be a whiteboard and I just happened to get a phone call from an underwriter who was using claim kit software to analyze a large claim file and she had used the software she knew me from when I used to be a insurance attorney and she called me and she said Chris I really like this software we'd like to try to use this for policy review and contract review and so I said, great, what's policy review? <laughs> and so I call that the rabbit hole that became Risk Genius. <laughs> and I started whiteboarding right at that moment. And like, you know, compare and redline and analytics were kind of the three big features she highlighted. I still have pictures of that whiteboard actually. Interesting. And yeah, so she talked about what she needed. We started calling around to the industry and saying, hey, you know, do you have trouble reviewing insurance policies? Uh, and the answer was a resounding yes. I think the thing I did not pick up upon was that the there's a lot of nuances to the problems people are having in reviewing insurance policies. It just depends on where you sit and the type of document you're looking at. Um, but yeah, that's that's the moment that started the pivot, um, which is funny because I was going to pitch claim kit to some people mm -hmm. when the idea for the pivot kind of took hold. Um, I think one of the mistakes I made in that pivot was um, I tried to kind of uh, navigate both sides. You know, claim kit's working fine. It's going to keep accelerating. It's it's great, mm -hmm. and we're going to go build Risk Genius to do policy analysis. In hindsight, that is foolish. You can't do more than one thing right as a startup, especially a startup that's raising their first round of funding, and so. You know, if I did it again, I would have pivoted hard instead of pivoting soft. Chris, pivoting soft uh, is like, yeah, good. Was it because of the workload that you had or uh, what was the issue with it? Yeah, it's definitely the workload, focus and workload, right? Um, if you have two developers, which I think we had back then, what are you gonna do, divide them in two and have one work on one and one on the other? You barely have enough resources to work on one product out mm -hmm. of two people, let alone two products. So it was all about focus, definitely. What was the impact of that? Was a burnout or is it that uh, the pivot did not happen slowly or uh, what was it, the issue? The product does not get developed fast enough. Okay. You can't respond to customer requests fast enough. Uh, your developers end up having to take shortcuts, right? And so you have a lot of technology debt as a result. And you learn less from a like a 
what's the right word? You learn, you, you don't gather the knowledge fast enough. Okay. It needs to go into the software. If I'm splitting my time between talking to claims people about claim document management and insurance people about reviewing insurance policies, I basically have one foot in the water, one foot out. And so you miss opportunities as a result. So okay. which one are, are the, is both ClaimKit and Vistrinius both currently active? No, ClaimKit's no longer active. I think we killed that off in 2019. So it's purely risk genius. Yep. Okay. So for those of you in the audience probably are not familiar with risk genius, um, I think let you explain it to people. And I think why it's so, for me back in 2016, why it was so innovative in the marketplace, uh, especially for insurance who I feel is, is has always been a laggard in technology and new technology. Yep. Yeah. So risk genius focuses on um, augmenting humans that are reviewing commercial insurance policies. So what that means is, you know, what we noticed is no one really had any clue what's in their commercial insurance policies. So like most companies don't know what they're insured for, but that's fine because that's why they have agents and brokers Agents and brokers struggle to keep track of what's in all the insurance policies because there's so many options out there and the language is so complicated and the way the contracts get um, formulated is very complicated. And then the underwriters um, within an insurance carrier also struggle to know what's out there, both within their own forms, or you might have 50,000 forms within one insurance carrier, or even outside that carrier, you know, what are your competitors doing? And so, and when you have language that's written differently, how do you compare it side by side? And so we wanted to address those problems, help people find what's in their insurance forms very fast, and then let them compare what's in their forms very fast to what else is available. So that's risk genius, essentially. Hey, Chris, a question. I mean, you, you are a lawyer, and then, so you have a deep knowledge in, in, in the law and insurance and that side of the world. If I'm comparing your risk genius situation to a corporate world, typically there are people on the business side and there are mm -hmm. people on the technology side. Right. So the bridging the gap between business and technology is always a challenge. Who takes yep. the lead? Right. So for you to pivot to risk genius, yep. I mean, I'm assuming that this whole artificial intelligence machine learning thing is a new thing for you. So how did you acquire the knowledge? Did you have a, a technology person, a yep. partner? How, how, how did that happen? Yeah, we ended up hiring a data scientist who hired more data scientists who could apply the kind of machine learning AI techniques to make it all work. We, I already had insurance knowledge, although not as much as I needed, but then, you know, we got that up to speed and then we hired more policy analysis um, employees. Uh, we now have a director of policy analysis who came over from an insurance company so, you know, we've been acquiring the knowledge and we've been acquiring kind of the data science smarts. And then the key though is combining those to create that flywheel effect where you make a modification on the policy analysis side, it gets worked into the data science side. And then policy analysis side ceases that, does that work and you just create that flywheel. That's really hard to do, mm -hmm. um, but we're at a pretty good spot at this point in creating that flywheel. So one other question on that one, but who planted the seed in you that what you are trying to do required machine learning, required yeah, artificial intelligence, because, right? So yeah. you, you, you wouldn't know, right? It's, it's a problem that you know, but you don't know how to solve the problem, what technology to use. So somebody, I don't, I don't know how that came. So I just wanted to probe yeah. a little bit. 
Great question. So there's this thing in the legal community called technology assisted review, TAR. And basically it's the application of machine learning to discovery, right? So I request all documents related to a lawsuit. Somebody sends me a million documents. I apply machine learning to sift through those million documents and get to the 5,000 I need. So I had been studying that when I was a lawyer, like just understanding what it was. Actually, I'll never forget one of our customers, their names was, was Rio Tinto. It's a big mining company. Down oh, yes. Australia, out of, I believe. Was, yeah, yeah. Yep. It's in the news. Um, they, there was an article I read about how they were first going to outsource work from first and second year associates to um, outside the United States to lawyers in other countries because it's cheaper. Mm -hmm. I was like, oh, that's interesting. And then almost like a year later, the general counsel announced that they were going to take a lot of the legal work they were doing and apply machine learning to it through this tar uh, technique that I talked about. And so that actually was a big moment for me where I was like, wait a second, I'm a second year associate. Kind of our business models built on first and second year associates doing a lot of work and billing a lot of time for it. Yeah. That's going to mess with our business model. And so that's when I really started following technology in, in the legal space, realized you could use technology to sift through documents so then I said, okay, can you do the same thing to sift through clauses in a document? Mm -hmm. And so that's what we've been working on ever since. Chris, you know, after all these years, the story that stuck with me the most is when you told me about an underwriter who literally took a cutter. And oh, yeah. That's, an, <laughs> yeah. Might, that's a really funny story. Best because of all the highlighting and all the, you know, using literally using a box cutter to Yep. Shred apart clauses in that. Yeah. The, wow. So I got two stories around that, like the exacto knife, right? Exacto so this knife, is yeah. a, <laughs> this is an insurance agent and she was at a huge insurance agency and she actually then moved over to an insure tech. And she told me that when she was trying to understand policy language, she would take out the, the, she would print out the policy and print out the second policy, pull out an exacto knife and cut it up into clauses and then cut the second one up into clauses and then move them around on her desk. Oh my God. And I thought it was a, I thought it was a kind of an anomaly. And then I started using that example during conferences and I would see people, particularly older people shaking their head. Yes. Like I do that too. I was like, Oh, interesting. And then the other example was another friend of mine who works at an insurance, another large insurance agency. And one day I asked her, you know, what'd you do this weekend? And she's like, well, I was in the office reading an insurance policy out loud to another person who was sitting there redlining the second document. And it, I was like, what? That is, that's called redlining. Like you, there's off the shelf software that does that. So those are two examples where I was just like, huh, this whole document analysis world, at least in insurance, but I know it's actually in every world really needs to improve quickly. Um, yeah. And so like then kind of fast forward to today, you know, about, or not today, but like March when COVID hit, yeah. we knew COVID was going to be a big issue for insurance policies. Mm. And so the regulators started asking questions of insurance carriers about their policy language. Like, do you have business interruption coverage? Do you have virus exclusions? Blah, blah, blah. Mm -hmm. Right. And so they're asking these questions and people have 50,000 forms and they're using, you know, SharePoint, which doesn't allow you to search the contents of the policies. That's a big problem, right? So you have to throw people at that. So we contacted one of our customers who we knew had been, you know, they'd have this request from this regulator and we were like, Hey, uh, do you need help with your COVID analysis for this regulator? And she's like, no, I, we're already done with that. I did that back in February in about an hour and it's genius. I was like, oh, oh wow. wow, that's really cool. Yeah. So she just went in, did the analysis and pulled it out. And that's when we were like, okay, 
that's a great story. So no, no box cutting, uh, no reading documents out loud in that example. I mean, I, I love how you were able to really find and identify this challenge um, and really being able to bring all this um, AI machine learning into um, Risk Genius. Yep. Um, I mean, can you talk about some of the other innovative things um, Risk Genius is, is working on or, you know, working yeah. towards? Yeah. So one of the key things with our software is like a taxonomy, right? That labels things. And so, you know, you have a exclusion dash virus that mm -hmm. attaches, that's a label in our taxonomy that attaches to a clause that says this policy excludes virus. And so it's a pretty simple taxonomy. It's the one we built back in 2015. We've moved on to taxonomy 2.0, which frankly, I don't fully understand because it's very, very complicated. There's all these layers to it. Um, we have lots of policy analysts now building that out instead of just me and my former co-founder kind of going through in the middle of the night, typing stuff out in an Excel spreadsheet. Um, so we're working on an advanced taxonomy. I'm starting to think a lot about uh, how now that we have clauses and those clauses are all, you know, categorized, how else can you annotate that information? Right. So could you impro uh, include information explaining what a clause is about? or identifying legal cases, or is there news about that clause? Like all the different stuff you can do with these discrete objects in a database that didn't exist and don't exist unless you build, break them out from the document itself. Um, oh, and I guess the other thing is, uh, and this is being recorded, it's like October 2nd. Um, I also just voted to merge with another company today. So you'll hear we, yeah, we, we're getting a, Thank you. Thank you. I guess that's where you're going with your initial question, Peggy. <laughs> I always think roadmap first. Uh, but yeah, we're being acquired by Bold Penguin. So as I sit here, uh, nursing through the last few issues, but uh, really excited about that. They are a uh, lead exchange, like a kind of commercial insurance exchange. So really interesting opportunities where, you know, they're quoting a million plus new businesses or businesses that are looking for insurance. They're doing the you know, quote, bind issue process. So they have these amazing pipes that people use to really speed up the commercial insurance process. Mm -hmm. So now we get to come in and start helping them with business insurance analytics and trying to help people understand the information that's flowing through those pipes uh, faster and better. So that's really exciting. That's wow. great stuff, Chris. So I have a question in this space. Um, if you look at, uh, I mean, this uh, in general, this whole uh, AI, ML, and all areas, there are three aspects. One is the algorithms. The other mm -hmm. one is the data, right? So mm -hmm. the data is a higher quality data in terms of labeled data. I think the yep. clauses you're talking about, it's something that you have done. The third yep. one is the features that you can identify within your specific domain, right? So those are the three yep. main assets, right? So so looks like you guys, Risk Genius, has done a very good job in the specific domain you're operating of labeling the data, the taxonomy and, and all that stuff. I mean, do you see a potential where, I mean, that, if that is the value of risk genius, algorithms anybody can write, right? Yep. So is yep. there a way that you could, uh, uh, of course you're being acquired and all that stuff, so probably it'll be useful beyond risk genius across multiple, so do you see a, a lot more potential because of the value that you have already created with, with the, you know, the classification of data and then the labeling the data and the cleaning up the data kind of stuff. I mean, do you see anything there? 
So, uh, yeah, I want to ask you a question about your question first, because I think I know where you're going. Like, like I am a big believer that ML, AI, all that needs to be, well, you could choose to be horizontal in nature or yep. vertical in nature, right? Yep. And we clearly are a vertical application yes. of AI and ML. And what we've done on commercial insurance, if we tried to transpose that to real estate contracts, sure, there's things we've learned that would help, but we would essentially be starting fresh. And so like, I'm a big believer in if you're going to go vertical, just keep going vertical for a yep. long, long time. Um, so to answer your question, I think the, what we can do, the way we drive more value now, you're right. We have the data, we have the, the algorithms built out now. So now it's a matter of continuing to build out what I call the features around that information that's now unique that we provide. Yes. How can you use that information in different ways just within commercial insurance? You know, there is like, there's kind of, there's certain peripheral issues that might be able to be tackled. Uh, a good example is like uh, certificates of insurance. So certificate of insurance is based on what's in the, the contract and the insurance policy. So you start seeing areas where you could bleed over there a little bit. Um, but then if to do that really well, you got to go do contracts. Yeah. And then what are you going to do? Construction? Are you going to do real estate? Are you going to do technology contracts? So I personally just really like staying in our lane, which is the commercial insurance space. That's great. Hey, so Peggy, um, is it the right time to now transition into a little bit of uh, Chris's personal side of the world? No. Uh -oh. Sure, go ahead, Rush. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you know him uh, much longer than, I mean, I'm, I just came to know about Chris recently and I was snooping on you, as I said, on LinkedIn, uh, Chris, and you, you have a huge following, number one. And uh, your, your title there, it says Luke Skywalker of Insurance Policies. Yep. And then um, Peggy told me before that you, you, call, you used to call yourself Dr. Dre. So could you talk a little bit about what's going on there? Uh, I think it's obvious. No, I'm just kidding. It's not obvious <laughs> at all. So, um, so I kind of stumbled into something uh, on LinkedIn. Uh, it was back in the day, probably like 2015, when we did our first financing around 2014. And I had gotten sideways with a particular venture capital firm, really frustrated and just started listening to Dr. Dre music, like rap music, right? Um, just good thing to listen to when I was going mm -hmm. out for a run or whatever. And then I happened to be on LinkedIn, just, I don't even know what I was doing. Didn't really take LinkedIn that seriously and needed to update my profile. It was probably new year. Cause I feel like every time, every time the new year hits, I'm like, Oh, I got to go refresh those social media profiles. Right. And so I was li literally listening to Dr. Dre and I was like, ah, Dr. Dre of insurance policies. And I just typed it in and I left it there. And all of a sudden I started getting these weird messages. Lots of them, lots mm -hmm. of them just like, love it, Dr. Dre. Like, what are you listening to right now? Hey, you should come talk to our company. And I think it was at a time when LinkedIn was like a Rolodex for most people. And I started using it as a tool to share information more so. And so, uh, you know, I did that. I started posting like it was right around that time as well that I started posting three times a week, which now it feels like everyone posts 30 times a week. Yeah, that's right. At that time, I, everyone's at home now and they're like, oh, I got to go dust off this social media machine. Um, but back then, you know, three times a week was a lot on LinkedIn, right? And so I was doing that. And then uh, I remember LinkedIn emailed me hmm. and they're like, hey, we're going to come out with an app, right? It was because right when apps were starting to hit, yeah. we're going to come out with an app and we're going to recommend you as a follower for insurance. 
is or recommend people follow you for insurance. Is that mm -hmm. okay? That's so nice. I, yeah, I was like, okay. Uh, I don't think this is. I think I might have actually said to them, I don't think this is real, but go ahead, sure. And like, I woke up one morning and all of a sudden I had like fifty thousand followers. And the next week it was a hundred thousand. Wow. So now I have 150,000 followers on LinkedIn. So I don't know. I just try to be playful with it. So, you know, the last Star Wars movie came out recently and I was like, oh, Luke Skywalker of insurance policies. I like the ring of that. Um, the most recent one, I don't think I'm going to do this, but the most recent one somebody suggested to me that made me laugh was the Mother Teresa of insurance. <laughs> um, it makes no sense, right? Just like the Dr. Dre of insurance really makes yeah. no yeah, sense, yeah. except for he's just a really successful person. So if I'm really successful in insurance, that'd be awesome. Um, so yeah, that's kind of, that was the genesis of it. My, I just, I think I try to speak transparently when I am on LinkedIn or whatever social media and that people have kind of liked that, which kind of plays into the name as well. So, um, I try to have fun with social media because it's a great way to connect with people. Hmm, that's great. So, so in this transformation, did, um, this, this whole, I mean, was LinkedIn your, is your main social media? Like each one of us has their own preferred uh, social media. Yep. So is that what it is? Yeah. I also play around on Twitter. I probably consume more on Twitter than I write, but I have like 10,000 followers on there, which is not a huge amount, but, um, I play around on Twitter. Uh, but yeah, I think LinkedIn is my preferred account. I'm really starting to think about getting back to my own platform because just the, there's so much stuff now in LinkedIn. It's really hard. I, I don't know if you saw the introduced stories, which yes. is like kind of, yeah. I don't know if there's anything I want to watch less in the entire world than these LinkedIn stories of people pitching their products. It's very strange. Yeah. Um, but I said the same thing about an iPod and an iPhone back in the day too. So <laughs> I need to be mindful what I say. Um, yeah, I, I think the thing I'm really interested in right now is just telling stories about insurance that resonate or are interesting through data, right? So like if I if there's somebody I'm trying to emulate, it's kind of like Nate Silver. Love mm -hmm. Nate Silver. Love the stuff he's doing around the election. 538.com. Yeah. Unbelievable, right? Yeah. 538, it's unbelievable. And even better than 538, in my opinion, is following Nate on Twitter, right? Mm -hmm. I like just want to see all his tweets. And so like this year in particular, I've been really trying to figure out how do I write about insurance with data? And so we've been tracking a lot of, and I kind of do it from a regulatory side too. So I've been looking at a lot of, um, you know, the, the emergency orders that came out from the cities and the counties. They were really interesting because there were a few, probably like five to 10 that inserted language specifically to try to trigger insurance claims for the businesses in their communities. Like it was like a plaintiff's attorney had written the language for them. Mm -hmm. And so we scoured all the, I, I did, I scoured all the emergency orders and created this map where you could click on the map, pull up the insurance uh, emergency or pull up the emergency order and study it. We're doing a lot now around business interruption lawsuits and COVID-19 because there is like thousands of these lawsuits. It's yeah. a really, most of them are going the insurance company's way mm -hmm. based on the contract language, but it's I just see. something I'm tracking because I'm very, I'm, you know, the insurance companies should do fine out of all this, but what if they don't, what if these cases start trending the other way? So it's something I'm keeping tabs on as well. Right. So now we stretch into the final section. Uh, so Peggy, this is where we kind of uh, put Chris on the hotspot. I'm just kidding. No, no, we are not. Good. Let's do it. I thought we were already were, but were <laughs> <laughs> um, you talking about the last section? I, I mean, Chris, you already shared with us a little bit about what you're reading or who you're staying on tabs with. I mean, for those in the audience um, that want additional suggestions from you on either yep. 
insurance or you know technology or anything that you think is the new trend i'd love to hear what your thoughts hmm. are and what you're reading about yep. yeah that's really interesting. So I, what I'm really interested in studying going forward, and partly because we've just been acquired by Bull Penguin, but partly because it's a real thing, is the movement to digital that has been totally sped up by COVID-19, right? And it's not just like a marketing thing. Like it, I, I mean, we buy way more groceries, for example, online than we did ever before because we didn't do that before. Mm -hmm. The same thing has happened in insurance. Apparently the same thing's happening in banking. Same thing's happening in restaurants. And so I'm curious to see, you know, how much has that happened? How much of that will stick? And then how much of that will unstick as we come out of the pandemic sometime maybe in 2021? And that's just the thing that's really kind of bouncing around in my head right now is like, what are the downstream repercussions of all this that we haven't even thought about? Mm -hmm. And so that's where I'm at right now in my head. Um, uh, let's see in the insurance world, I'm definitely following all the business interruption lawsuits, you know, that you have lawsuits in the UK. So you could follow the FCA because they actually came out with a ruling saying some of these cases will be allowed. I'm getting really nerdy right now. Um, let's see. So Chris, just to spur your thought there, I mean, you stumbled into being an entrepreneur, right? By, yeah. Hey, there's a Did problem. You got to yeah. solve it. It's not that you set out to, okay, out of law school, I'm going to be an entrepreneur, right? That is not how yeah. it is. So, I mean, to get into that space, uh, probably people influenced you, people mentored you. So through your life, if you could just reflect back on life, uh, you know, from yep. childhood and how, who shaped your life, who shaped your thoughts and who shaped. Yeah, yeah. Uh, There's really one person, I think, that pops to my mind right away, which is Seth Godin. Hmm. So he is a marketing guru, probably the best yeah. marketing, you know, name out there. And he's also an amazing person. Like, I, I still, it blows my mind, but you can actually email him questions and he will respond in like five minutes. Hmm. And he does that because he's able to do that because he doesn't get on these, on all these channels. He doesn't read the news on Twitter constantly, which is something I strive for. And so I, you know, one of the things I've done recently that really, you know, helped me reset was the marketing seminar, which is a program. It's a, it's a course that he puts on. And it really fundamentally changed the way I look at marketing, which I consider myself kind of a marketer more than anything else. Um, because like it really, you know, marketing is, there's just so much, and I think more so now than ever, where everyone seems like is pushing messages digitally because you don't have conferences, you don't have in-persons. There's so much noise. And so how are you going to cut through that? It's something I'm really thinking about. The other thing I'm thinking about is like, you know, what we're doing right now is Zoom, right? Mm -hmm there's no texture to this necessarily, right? Like, and I don't know how to explain it exactly other than like, you watch this, what else do you do? Hmm, maybe you go try to find that person. And it feels like all these interactions need to start being combined into something. And I'm not sure what that something is, but it's like, that's the thing also bouncing around my head. I mean, how many people want to do Zooms these days? They're so tired of them. Yeah. Um, I think uh, to, to that end, I think other platforms are also experimenting. LinkedIn is an example where they're saying, now immediately if I, let's say, come across Chris, I could do a video call or a message, you know, an interaction I can start right away. But that yeah. could be an interruption, you know, to lives. But I, I know exactly what you're thinking in this space. Yeah. Make yeah it so, and then the other thing is I'm just thinking about going back to the written word more so too. Like everything's going to video and face and I'm kind of tired of it a little yeah. bit. And other than this wonderful call that we're doing right now. Um, but like, I miss reading, 
right? Like as much as I used to. So I'm actually trying to figure out what did I used to subscribe to? So like I, you know, subscribing to more newsletters. So I'm starting to think about that as well because otherwise it's just all these nonsensical rantings that feels like on all these social media platforms. So um, yeah, so I'm thinking a lot about, frankly, just tying it all together with a bow. What is marketing post COVID? What, how, what is successful marketing post COVID? Because everyone is trying to broadcast to these mediums. And, you know, if you go back to Seth Godin, he talks about the, the minimum viable audience, okay. which is essentially one to start. And I, I almost want to reset to that one and start building again and thinking about what that looks like. Very insightful. So Peggy, anything like, else you have? Yeah, it sounds like a great way to reinvent yourself, certainly, Chris, as you move on to the next chapter of your career. So yeah. So it's so exciting to see um, this kind of pivot. I mean, knowing you um, as CEO of Risk Genius and now the future um, during COVID and certainly what you will do afterwards as well. So yep. very exciting and you know, certainly hope everyone continues to follow you on social media and also uh, your written blogs uh, that I know you also have as well. So your written words will be, I'm sure, very powerful too. Yeah. Awesome. Thanks. And it's just, it's a great time to be a data person, kind of like us all, right? Yeah. So, um, and the more we can explain the data, I think the better off we're all going to be. Yeah. Thank you for listening to today's episode. If you liked what you heard today and would like to hear more, please subscribe to our podcast on your favorite player like iTunes and Spotify. And please do rate our podcast. Also, please go to our website, www dot data transformers podcast.com for more episodes blogs and information on our speakers thank you